0: Good one. That was beautiful. That is amazing. I mean, I'm thankful we have all this talent, but it's not fair. We are tremendously blessed. And uh, so, anyway, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift of music. Whether it comes through voice or instrument, Father, you have blessed us and. The air has been filled with joyful noises and uh, with much thanksgiving. And we know that all the music comes from your throne. You, you created music. And we know heaven itself is always astirred with joyful songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And now, Father, we'd ask that the Holy Spirit would guide us in our sermonette here to keep our mind fixed on these heavenly themes. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we look at this one verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Is this verse just for planet Earth? No, this verse really applies to the whole universe. Because throughout the whole universe, there's really just one what? There is one God. And there would only be what? One faith. When you really think about it, what God is trying to do on planet Earth is bring us to the one faith and the one God and the one Lord who's over the entire universe. Isn't that right? Wow. And that's why this sermon's called, you know, The One Church. So this is on... Out? okay this is an amazing statement it's six testimonies 366 the church of god below here is one with the church of god above Amen. isn't that something believers on the earth and the beings in heaven who have never fall constitute how many churches one church. we're really just one church so what we want to learn here is how they worship God there. And the one true God. This is our mission. Is to help the entire world become part of the one church. That is part of the, which is the universal church, isn't it? And yet we live in a world where there's so many religions. So many different different uh, beliefs and systems. And yet, there's only one true system, one true God. In this next statement, notice this. They've been listening to this whole program. Every heavenly intelligence is interested in the assemblies of the saints who on earth meet to worship God. In the inner court of heaven, they what? They listen to the testimony of the witnesses for Christ's in the outer court, which is earth here. And the praise and thanksgiving from the worshipers below is taken up in the heavenly anthem, and praise and rejoicing sound through the heavenly courts, because Christ has not died in vain for the fallen sons of Adam. Can you imagine what has just taken place here? Every song you just sang, every poem, every prayer, your Sabbath school program, The one church, the church that we belong to, which is in heaven. Listen to everything that was done here. They take everything you did here, and they make it an anthem up there. And the thing is, it makes them so joyous. Because they know Jesus came here, and he didn't die in vain. Because when you give your testimony, what Jesus has done for you... It brings rejoicing in heaven. And they sing about it. And we talked about that two weeks ago in my last sermon. Now, this is actually our scripture reading. The scripture reading tells us that we're part of one church whose origin is in heaven. And there appeared a great, great wonder in heaven. A woman, the church, clothed with the sun, uh, clothed with the righteousness with Christ, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. The woman is the church here, but it appears as a wonder where. Because in reality, the origin of the church is from where? Because Jesus came from, and he started the church. And we constitute one body, one church, with the heavenly church above. Because we all worship the one God And the one Lord And there really is only one true faith Throughout, not just our world But the entire universe And so the more we're in agreement with them The more interest they take And everything that we say and done Do you imagine how much joy it brings them When we tell the truth to the world The truth about God's nature The truth about His kingdom Wow. Now, our church, we part of the church that's above, and above is, they're up in the heavenly court, and we as a people were told to do something. We preached that Christ was coming in 1844, but he wasn't. He wasn't coming to the earth. Where was he going? Into the most holy place in heaven. From the holy place to the most holy place. And we were raised up to do what? And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying to our pioneers, rise and measure the what? Which temple of God? The one in heaven, because there is no earthly temple of God. It's all been destroyed. We're to worship or to measure the temple of God, which is in heaven, measure the holy place, measure the most holy place and measure the altar and what else? them that dwell there within. Isn't that something? We are to measure, we're to study. We're to study where Jesus is right now, the founder of the church, right? We're to measure the holy place, the most holy place, the altar itself, and measure the people who worship there. Isn't that something? Now, it says here in Revelation eleven two. this is interesting, but the court, the outer court, Right? Which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it's given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they, the speaking mostly of the papacy, shall tread underfoot forty and two months, or that twelve hundred and sixty years. I want us to see a picture of this. As you see here, there is the outer court. This is the area where the sacrifice was brought. And the sanctuary is really the, the two compartments, isn't it? Holy place, most holy place. So, he says, measure the temple. He's actually said, to measure two things. The holy place and most holy place, that's in heaven. But don't measure the court. It's left to the Gentiles. You see, once you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, we're to follow him wherever he goes. And once you've accepted him, you've received that forgiveness of your sins, you now follow him into the temple of God, where the angels worship God. And we constitute one church with them, as long as we're sitting in those same places. Which is what you read earlier, right? Sitting in heavenly places. Now, why is the court, the courtyard, being represented by the earth? Because Jesus didn't die in heaven. Jesus died on earth. The courtyard represents our world where Jesus came to die. But he died and rose and ascended to heaven, to the heavenly sanctuary, where there's the holy place and most holy place. And once we've accepted Jesus as what he's done in the courtyard of this world and died for our far sins, we ascend by faith with Him. And this is really where we ought to be worshiping. We're not to worship things on earth. This is what we're raised to do. To tell people to worship Him who made heaven and earth. Right? We're going to get a little bit more into it. Now, this is the courtyard. This is where Jesus died. But Jesus has ascended into the holy place, the most holy place into heaven, and here's just the miniature of it. Do you know that the heavenly courtroom has billions of angels in it? That the earthly is just this miniature that does not represent the the beauty, the vastness of the heavenly, but it's a miniature to teach us the beauty of the heavenly. So Jesus has ascended into these two apartments up in heaven. And so I want us to think about what does it mean to rise and measure the temple? Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that dwell therein. that's Revelation 11.1. 1. And it says in Ephesians, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the work and of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and sent him in his own right hand in the what? Heavenly places. So Christ did his courtyard ministry, died for us, and is now ascended into the heavenly places. But notice where it says about us. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is why in the end of time the Sunday laws and all this stuff where people worship their political power and their churches and their theology is all earthly and we are to point people to the heavenly and this is where we can sit every day as the foundation of our faith is what he did here for us that by faith we are following Jesus through the holy place through the most holy place and we measure what those two compartments mean. And by measuring them, we're understanding more about Jesus and more about the people we need to be before he leaves the sanctuary. Let's look a little bit more at that. So, measure the temple and the altar and them that worship therein. Well, when we look at the temple and we walk into that holy place, we see the menorah which is what lighted up the room, that seven-branch candlestick, and we know that Jesus is the light of the, the world, but we're to measure it. Why do I measure Jesus as the light of the world? Because he says you are to be. You see, we're to be following Jesus, worshiping Jesus, ultimately is to follow him. So now i got to think about myself, my own personal experience. Am I allowing myself to be a menorah in this world? Does that make sense? Do I measure up? Because I'm not just, this isn't just scholastics. This isn't just, you know, measuring. This is about me. If I'm measuring up to what the temple where God's people worship, am I living up to that measurement? Table of showbread. Jesus is the He's the bread of life. But I'm to partake of that bread. Am I measuring up? Am I eating the bread of life every day? Is that a fair question? Because in following Christ, I need to be a light. I need to eat the life of Jesus and take it in. And then there's the altar of incense where First and foremost, it's Christ as our intercessor. But we're to intercede as well. Am I measuring up in my prayer for others, interceding? Am I measuring up in my own communion time with Christ? Because this is why we measure it. We measure it because it teaches us about who Jesus is. And because we are created in His image, it's teaching us about what God wants to do in us. It's about measuring up. And in the most holy place, we have, of course, the Ten Commandments, amongst other things. But again, measuring up to those Ten Commandments. Where do I stand in keeping God's commandments? Is that a fair question? And this is why we measure it. Because for a lot of Christians, they've only followed Jesus as far as the courtyard. And that's where salvation begins. But it's not where it ends. We're to continue to follow Christ as He prepares us to live with these heavenly beings, this universe that worship Him perfectly. Now, listen to this statement where it talks about measuring. If they will make Christ their pattern, He will give the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. They will grow in grace and aptitude in Christ's way. Their characters will be molded after His similitude. The time has come when everything is to be shaken that can be shaken. And those things that cannot be shaken may remain. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Every case is coming into review before God. Notice what he's doing. He is measuring the temple and the... Are we going through a shaking time right now? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything you believe will be shaken. To see if you'll still remain while all this shaking's going on. Will you remain in believing in God's promises? Believing in God's character? Continue to be a light and eating the life of Christ? When all this shaking keeps going on, am I still standing? Right? Yeah, will I remain? Because the devil's only hope is to get everybody to worship the beast. Isn't that right? Let's look at another statement here. The grand judgment is taking place and has been going on for some time. Now the Lord says, measure the temple and the worshipers thereof. Remember when you're walking in the streets about your business, God is measuring you. When you're attending your household duties, when you engage in conversation, God is measuring you. Shall we not bring the Savior into every everyday lives, into our everyday lives, into our secular work and domestic duties. You see, when we follow Christ into the heavenly sanctuary, that means that our whole life is being measured. The sanctuary teaches us how to give our whole heart to Christ. If we understand it properly. If we understand what the menorah really represents, and the table of showbread, and the altar of incense, and that Ark of the Covenant, and what contains in there, if we study and measure it and study it and understand what it means, we're able to bring our lives into perfect harmony with Jesus. But this is what we're being measured by at the same time. And so we want to know what we're being measured by, and we want to keep in mind how we're measuring up, so to speak. But everything that the Bible teaches us about how to live, God is measuring us every day. Is that right? But God is patient. And God is love. And it's God's grace that enables us to continue to measure up to all the light we have. And as you continue to follow through the sanctuary, you keep growing. You become more like Jesus in His beautiful similitude of character. And we start measuring up. We start getting ready for the latter rain. Because we follow Jesus through the sanctuary. Walking with Christ through the sanctuary is everything. And the world is about ready to wonder after a beast, which is earthly. You see where the devil's taking people? An earthly day of worship. An earthly system. Worshiping earthly priests. Worshiping earthly evangelists who are televangelists, just after your money. That's not heavenly. That's earthly. And the world's almost taken completely by storm, by earthly things. And yet, we need to be sitting in heavenly places where what becomes most important is heavenly things. Is this right? Right? The courtyard is represented by the earth where Christ was crucified. But Jesus is now in heaven, which is where we should be by faith. But the court's been given unto the Gentiles. And while God's people are by faith sitting in heavenly places, the papacy has been allowed to control the earth. Isn't that what that verse was saying? Leave the outer court to the Gentiles. They're going to take it. They're going to rule for 1260 years. Let them have it. Because what's important to you is to follow me up here. I didn't promise you an old world, marred by sin. What I'm promising you is a new heaven and a new earth and new bodies. But you know what these guys want? They want the old world. And it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. Our worships appoint us to people in heaven. Think of that first angel's message. Fear God. That's heavenly, right? Give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And where is the judgment taking place? In heaven. Worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Everything about our message is about pointing people to heaven. But all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, which is that first beast of papacy. Now notice this earthly worship, the worship of Mary. Is that earthly or heavenly? She's resting in the grave. Confession told to a priest. Holy water, worship of relics, lighting of candles, man made way of worship. You see, it's all earthly. But we've got to keep our focus to the heavenly. Now, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel said, Rise, measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Now that, if you look at all the key words in this verse, this main verse we've looked at, there's one chapter in the Bible that mentions these things together as well. It's Leviticus 16. Just look at this one verse. When he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of congregation and the altar, he shall bring in the live goat. Revela- or Leviticus 16 is the day of atonement, which has been going on in heaven since 1844. 1844. The very thing we were asked as a people to measure points to the Day of Atonement. We were raised up for this special Day of Atonement. We were raised up to point people to the temple of God. In reality, we weren't mostly raised up to point people to the first beast. We are to say that. We are to point out who the beast power is and the second beast power is. But the first message is about pointing people not to the beast, but to God himself. To a sanctuary that's in heaven, that means more to you than the false sanctuary on earth. It means more to us to know that we're part of the worshipers in heaven, constituting one church than to sit there and focus on all the false churches on earth. But we have to warn them that they're false because they're not in line with uh, the heavenly. Because all of heaven is keeping which day? The Sabbath. Worshiping one Lord, one God, one faith. And look at our world. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. People are all over the page. Every day I hear some of the most erroneous things, and you just feel sorry. No language can describe the glory of the scene presented within the sanctuary. The gold-plated walls reflecting the light and the golden candlestick, the brilliant hues of, of the richly embroidered curtains with their shining angels, the table and the altar of incense glittering with gold, beyond the second veil, the sacred ark with its mystic cherubim, and above it the holy Shekinah the visible manifestation of Jehovah's presence all are but a dim reflection of the glories of the temple that's in heaven the great center of the work for man's redemption the reason I put this on there is when you look at this sanctuary and remember we're constitute one church with all the angels where do you find angels embroidered in the sanctuary yeah, it's in a holy place. In the most holy place, it's not the courtyard. Not that that would be a wrong place to put an angel, but the courtyard's here, where Christ died. But the angels are embroidered on the walls in the in the sanctuary, and this is where we go to worship by faith into the, the heavenly sanctuary. Where who's embroidered on the wall? Which makes us the same church. Is this making sense? We are the same church with all these angels. as taught by the sanctuary. And I want us to think more about that. Every one of us has what? A guardian angel. (laughs) And maybe some of us need more than that, huh? We just get ourselves in enough trouble. But I want us to think more heavenly. I want us to know that no matter what happens on earth, what's most important is what's happening in heaven. And as long as our faith, and we are in by spirit into the heavenly places, we have nothing to fear down here. It's all temporary. And soon it will all pass away. And I want you to think about every opportunity you have to give a testimony. Or to sing a song, because Who's listening? They're all listening. They listen to this whole service. How many songs, how many anthems have they already sung? I want to close this sermon, because Lois and I study every week, and we were talking about this, and I was saying, boy, wouldn't it, wonder if there'd be a hymn? She says, oh, 425, this hymn. Okay, so let's, in closing of this this, uh, sermon, let's sing a hymn. 425. 425, huh? Um do we have time? 425, I guess all the verses here.